I spend a lot of my time on tour. And anybody who's been on tour knows that there's little time spent by yourself. You want to know why bands break up so often or go through frequent member changes? It's continuous time spent around each other, constantly living on top of one another's personal space in confined quarters that can unhinge even the most unflappable. People think it's a non-stop party on tour, but most hanger-ons aren't around the morning after when the only thing to look forward to is a boring seven-hour drive to the next gig, and somebody's decided to start the drive listening to Maroon 5, while the person behind you is how do I put it, gassy from what they ate for breakfast that morning. It may sound funny, but when the tour lasts for five weeks, and this has been happening consistently for the last 12 days, it's enough to make you want to punch yourself unconscious. And this is why, when I'm finally off the road, I cherish the time alone. I revere the silence. I evade I refrain, I shun, and generally keep my distance from people, all people. After repeating this routine for what is compounded into years, it has only resulted in great distance between me and my friends, me and the scene, me and my hometown. Of course, as I've admitted on here before, one of the reasons for even doing this podcast was to force myself to be more social. And it's worked. But you know what's worked even better? Twitter. Yeah, don't laugh. Twitter has made me the gregarious, cheerful person I enjoy being. Except I don't have to actually meet anybody. And I can do it within the confines of my own home, on my own time, without even so much as cracking a smile. Plus, when I get bored, I can simply log off and be done with it. Sure, Twitter spats have been had from time to time, but for the most part, it's played a large role in me reconnecting with people, meeting new people, and making friends with those I've admired for a long time. Just this past December, when I found out singer Tad Doyle of the band Tad was on Twitter, I hemmed and I hawed until I finally worked up the nerve to tweet him. Fan tweet him, so to speak. You know, tell him how awesome he is. To my surprise, and in very short time, I received a reply back from him, not only thanking me for the tweet, but saying how much he liked our band and even had our records. I was floored because here was a guy who had meant so much to me. Their album, Eight Way Santa, came into my life at a time when, like so many others, I was getting a little disillusioned with the metal scene, but still wanted it to be very heavy. So Tad met that desire tenfold. Tad was also the first band I saw when I was of legal drinking age, and I finally didn't need to watch a show with an X on my hand. And what a show it was, too. Tad opened up for Primus. And even though I had Sailing the Seas of Cheese when I went there, I went there only to see Tad and perhaps stick around for a couple of songs of Primus before catching my bus home. Well, Tad were amazing and Primus were amazing. I saw the whole show and I saw it sandwiched between Dave Navarro and Eric Avery, who just happened to be in town for the Lollapalooza festival that was happening the day after, which I also attended. So, in the course of two days, I saw Tad, Primus, Jane's Addiction, The Rollins Band, Body Count, and The Butthole Surfers. Not bad, huh? 
So what you're about to hear is Tad Doyle and I meeting for the first time. First-time moments like these are hardly ever caught on tape, so you can hear my nervousness mixed with my inability to conceal my fandom for the guy. It was recorded on a day off in Seattle while on tour with Volbeat this past spring. The only thing was we... We got into town mid-afternoon, and I was scrambling to make everything work with the little time I had. What made it even more surreal, in the coolest possible way ever, was Tad and I had just finished an almost hour-long three-way conversation with the one and only Duff McKagan for Duff's It's So Easy documentary project. Our talk with Duff helped break the ice between the two of us, but this podcast was the first time we were alone together at the end of the day, and, to be honest, kind of exhausted. When we wrapped up this podcast, we continued our conversation over dinner. It was a spectacular day, one I won't soon forget. The next night, when we played at the Showbox in Seattle, Tad and his wife Pegadeth showed up to watch our set. Right before we were to go on stage, Tad quietly remarked how how much of a full circle moment this must be for me, you know, with me going to see him way back when and now him coming to see me. When I heard him say that, and right before we hit, hit the stage, I, I had a lump in my throat. Even thinking about it now is giving me goosebumps. I want to mention that we discussed Tad's new band, Brothers of the Sonic Cloth. And if you want to find out more about them, go to brothersofthesoniccloth.bandcamp.com. There you can download the 2009 demo and their song, Fires Burn Dim in the Shadows of the Mountain. It's a name your price download, but I encourage people to support this great band. And at this moment in time, as I'm taping this podcast introduction, look out for their upcoming debut full-length album, tentatively entitled empires of dust. Personally, I cannot wait to hear this. Shortly after we recorded this podcast, it was announced that Brothers of the Sonic Cloth would be getting together with ex-Tad guitarist Gary Thorstensen to play a few Tad songs for Sub Pop Records' 25th Silver Jubilee on July 13, 2013, serendipitously bringing Tad back to the foreground for all of us. Once again, I want to thank Blue Mic Microphones for their support of the podcast, namely with their Yeti Blue Mics that I use for every episode, and Skullcandy Headphones for their generous support. And you guys, too, for listening to this podcast and all your comments on iTunes and all the iTunes stores. Thank you very much. It means a lot to me. Having Tad Doyle on this episode of the official Danko Jones podcast is an absolute honor It was a pleasure, one of the happiest times I've been doing this podcast, and it starts now. Well, this is an interesting way to meet. Um, We... uh... We, uh, we kind of met on Twitter a few months ago, and I put it out there just because uh, I found your Twitter account, and I figured, well, a lot of these people on Twitter aren't very active. You might have created the account, made a few tweets, and then just abandoned it. But I put it out there because I was working on a, a column for 
um, rock star, a uh, rock zone magazine in, in Spain where I, I take um, like albums that maybe people have forgotten about or haven't been talked about for a while. And I, I, I was writing about Eight Way Santa. And writing about it got me to listening to it again. And I was like, fuck, I, I forgot how I loved this album. So I went on Twitter and I go, is he? No, I can't be on Twitter. And there you were. And I, I just tweeted into the void. And you returned the tweet to me. And it made my day. Like, I couldn't believe that you re, you answered me back. And... um and from then on, it was like this thing where I, I realized I did a little bit of catch up as to what you you've been up to. And sometimes, you know, people keep going musically and it doesn't yeah, kind of, you know, has a kind of a descent, but they're still active and you're just happy that they're active. But Brothers of the Sonic Cloth, which is your latest outfit, is awesome. Like I first I listened to it and I was like this is more people need to hear about this and so that's why i i put it in that huffington post piece that that i wrote about about Chris, like things i wanted for christmas or something like that yeah that blew my mind when i got that tweet from you really or when you when, yeah it's like because like when i met peggy in 2004 i came down to san diego where she was living and she goes you got to hear this band and we I can't remember which record it was, but I think it was Sleep is the Enemy. Okay. And, and like, wow, this is everything I always liked about rock. Mm-hmm. And and I heard, it, it was just exciting to hear, and she turned me on to a lot of other music too, but it was like, wow, this is really good. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, and your, your answer back to me was that you had not only heard of us, which was enough, um, but you did have... Our albums and that was mind-blowing to me I, I was I was my I was my mind was blown as well um, and uh, yeah then I just kind of caught up on you know brothers of the sonic cloth and everything but like I guess I guess people should know we just finished we just finished filming we just wrapped up on Duff's uh, film uh, it's so easy and in during the uh, the interview I I talked about briefly about how I. Uh... Hey Duff, are you are you off? Okay, yeah. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, man. All right, brother. Thanks, man. Thanks for including me. You too. Um, thank you. You too. Um. I talked about you were the first band that I saw when I was of legal age. I could go to a club without it being an all-ages show. So I was really super nervous. And, um, I mean, I've been there on all-ages shows, but this is with, like, adults, and this is, like, different. Um, And I saw you in the front foyer of Lee's Palace, which has now been... Lee's Palace is still in Toronto, but it's um, uh, been renovated so there isn't that front foyer that there used to be. But there you were, and you were standing there, and I was, we actually, there was just a moment in my mind's eye where it was just you and I in the front foyer, and you just looked at me. And I, I looked at you, and uh, I was so scared and nervous. 
um, just to be there. And I just walked into the club. <laughs> and I, I remember I was with my friend and I said, oh, Tad's in the front. He's in the front of the club. Because I didn't know, like I, I you know, it was, um, even the all ages shows that I went to, a lot of the bands wouldn't come out uh, until showtime or after showtime. So you're just standing there and, uh, and then you guys played and it was amazing. And uh, it was, it, yeah, it was, it was a big thing for me and I was kind of saving it for the podcast, but you know, uh, doing the film with Duff, it, I, I had to say it when the moment arose just now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and it was it was a big thing, and Away Santa was a was a pivotal pivotal album at that time for me because um, you know a lot of, a lot is made of the Seattle scene of that time. You guys are 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 part of it. You're mentioned with all the bands that are always mentioned. Mud Honey and Soundgarden, and of course Nirvana. Uh, for me, you guys were kind of my favorite. You know, as much as uh, Bleach was uh, undeniable, phenomenal record. I mean, Eight Way Santa is just as good. I mean, to me, I always thought. You know, that's how I feel. Well, thanks, Jack, man. Jack Pepsi and I, fucking I don't know how many times I've heard Candy. Just pressed rewind on the cassette. I don't have the cassette anymore. I have it on vinyl. <laughs> but yeah, but that's how it was for me. It's huge. And just the cover, everything about it. I mean, the cover was like, these guys are, this is fucked up. This is crazy. <laughs> and then when I heard you found it at a flea market or something. Yeah, and you had the store. The, the th- and you had the balls to put it on an album cover. And then, am I right? The, the, cover, the, the couple on the cover of Eight Way Santa found out? Yeah, the the woman that's on the cover of the original cover found out, and she was into Tower Records, not like half a mile from here, walked in and says, do you have this record? Because she saw it in a spin review of it, Spin Magazine. And she uh, walked in and says, do you have this record? And they said, yeah, it's right over here. And the story goes is that she was horrified to see that they had 20 or 30 copies. Big picture of her from a part of her past she wanted to forget about. And it's on a record cover. <laughs> and it's in a major record store. So she was like horrified. And rightly so. I yeah, guess, yeah, you know. sure. But hey, I mean, she did take the photo. I mean, I, but I thought it was hilarious. The whole, what I heard about it was just so funny. I mean, <laughs> did you guys get sued over that? Or did she sue you? Or They threatened lawsuit. And what it was is a cease and desist. And what happened was is when we had released the record it by that time it had gone what we called indie gold mm-hmm. and they sub pop had to pull every copy back when it was just really starting to go and they had to pull every copy back and they were ordered to destroy the covers or um, completely remove them from every form of uh, format of sales in any shape or form that did happen, and uh, I'm sure they kept a few copies for you know friends or whatnot. But right, of course. It was uh, it was kind of a, a bummer. It really killed the record sales, and you know, but you know, we put somebody's picture on there without their consent. Yeah. How could we know that like years later they, you know, yeah, they'd recognize themselves and even be, you know, yeah, see it. Uh, did you meet her? Does she look anything like the? 
a person on Eight Way Santa? I mean, I never did meet her, but we heard through our friend as a, a metal music champion here, Jeff Gilbert. He's also a writer. You may know because you're a writer yourself. Not really. But no. uh, he he got the guy that was in the picture to sign a copy of the record, <laughs> and because he did that, he can't you know sue us for you know. Right. defamation of character or anything like right, that. Right, right. But she was much smarter than he was. Right. She didn't fall for it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Wow. And, and I've heard since then her daughter um, ran into somebody that we know and says, "We're my mom's kind of remorseful that that hurt that record. She didn't know it was going to hurt the record. And, you know, I I take responsibility for what we did, but, you know, it's just, you know, it was an uncomfortable thing, and, you know, that's how it goes. Yeah. Well, I hope people hear this and seek it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, but but getting back to how we kind of – this is an interesting podcast because we, uh, we met online. It's this kind of new age way of socializing. Yeah. Um, and uh, in a way, it reflects really how I am because I don't really, I'm not very social and I use this podcast to be social. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're able to do this podcast because we tweeted each other is, is, is quite interesting. But, but we're getting back um, to Brothers of the Sonic Cloth, which is the new outfit. Mm-hmm. Have you guys toured? We did a, a West Coast tour in September of last year, and uh, that was it. We had just like a split 10-inch uh, record that we did with another band here, and that was it. We had like a we had demo that we sold and sold out real quick, so we just pushed, posted everything for free on the Bandcamp page if anybody ever wants to check that out. Yeah, it's, um, is it Brothers of the Sonic Cloth dot Bandcamp? I think it's just bandcamp.com forward slash brothers of the sonic cloth. I've only bought ba- um, brothers of the sonic cloth off Bandcamp. I didn't really know how that whole Bandcamp works. We, I, I have something on for sale through a through a label on there, mm-hmm. but I didn't. That was the first thing I actually bought off Bandcamp was the the brothers really? the sonic cloth. I'm stuff. honored. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I was just I don't know like. You have been um, um, part of part of my life and part of a scene that played heavily. Like I was talking about in the Duff during the Duff filming, um, that it was a perfect mesh of like this punk rock attitude of like you know fuck you punk rock attitude mixed with some heavy music like heavy music and it wasn't part of like a metal scene. Or a punk rock scene, and you know, you. I guess we spoke about the word grunge, and I myself like to stay away from that as well because, Me too. yeah, I feel like that <laughs> word is so loaded and um, is like, it's like YOLO, you know, it's yeah. like a pop culture tag that doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything, and it's so far removed from what it is, which is next generation Sabbath to me. That's what I think it is. Like sure. Sabbath played by people who listen to the Stooges. That's what I always thought that Seattle sound was. Yeah. You know, and uh, 
I included Brothers of the, of the Sonic Cloth because I thought it was a, it doesn't sound like Tad did, but it's a it's it's a logical extension of where someone who put out Eight Way Santa would be in 2013, mm-hmm. because that kind of music is regardless of what we play as a band, rock and roll. Brothers Brothers of the Sonic Cloth is what I listen to in my headphones when I'm when I'm by myself or you know like that kind of doomy like that doom sludge kind of stuff that that's what I li- I I like to listen to that maybe to offset the rock and roll but but definitely I love that and maybe you're I'm assuming it would be you in reverse with with our records, maybe. Totally. I mean, we just listened to your records today, too. I was playing okay. it for, for our drummer, and he wasn't familiar. And it's like, yeah, this we're going to go meet this guy today. It's great. And we were, like, talking about the production work on the record. He's an engineer, too. Right. So we're talking about the production work and how it's just so punchy. And there's, it's right up front, and it just kicks ass. And the bass tone is so killer. And Thank you. Your Jason guitar front is, is right up front. And... You know, I could get guitar nerd on you, but I'm, I'll refrain. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people like to with me, but truth be told, like I like I mentioned before, I, I have no sense of direction, and I'm not a gearhead. So pe- guys come up to me all the time, going like, "Yeah, I just bought this like '74 Gibson Les Paul thing. What do you think of that?" Like, what, what, dude, I don't, I don't know, man. I just got. What, you know, like the this year's model or last year's model, it sounds good to me. It's all in tune. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, I like certain um, guitars. Like I like uh, Les Paul Juniors and SGs and stuff. Yeah. And Explorers, Tellys. But past the the body of a guitar in relation to my arms and my fingers, I couldn't tell you heads sure. or tails. I just know when it feels good and I know when it sounds good. Yep. And a lot of it has to do with just like listening to records as opposed to going into music theory or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, leading up to this, we're on tour with Volby right now and today's a day off. We spent the whole day on the bus getting to Seattle and we got here at I think a little after four o'clock in the afternoon. But leading up to, leading up to um, this podcast, it, I, I waited for a week to ask you if you could do the podcast today because I didn't want to seem too pushy. But knowing that we were going to be in Seattle on a day off, I, I knew that I could maybe get you to do the podcast and come down and do the podcast. Or go to you. I was more than willing to go wherever you were, um, just to to get a chance to to, to meet you and, and talk to you about your music as well. So, here we are. It, um, had no idea, like I said yesterday, being in Missoula, that it would end up with a th- a three way discussion between you, me, and Duff McKagan. No, me either. <laughs> It's good happy accident. It was great. Um, I texted you. I had never texted you before, and I, I just I uh, I got it from one of our email exchanges, and I go, I, I can't I can't direct message this guy on Twitter about about this opportunity. I have to text him, so I texted you about that. But yeah, no, it's cool. I'm glad you came down, and I was kind of hoping for a three way discussion between the the three of us, 
I'm glad that they set it up that way. And um, it was really fascinating just hearing you and Duff go off about like the Seattle scene back in the day, because um, unlike you know the Toronto scene, some of those people you're mentioning are really known to a lot of people, and it was really cool to have them placed in context to just a local scene like everyone else's scene. It was kind of cool. Mm. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I don't know if I interrupted your talk. That's what I was thinking during the rest of the interview. I'm like, fuck, did I just like fucking steamroll into their discussion about the local scene? But hopefully they, they got enough clips. Oh, no, to... it's all good. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you, you were mentioning... Um, engineering and stuff and you mentioned to me on the phone yesterday you you've got some mixing to do and stuff from what i gather um from from the website you run and own a studio that's correct now. yeah which ape studio which ape studios mm -hmm. and uh i've seen the roster of bands that have come through it's pretty cool a lot of heavy heavy bands yeah that seems to be where where my i'm most passionate about so What's your job in the studio exactly? I just uh, point mics at loud things and, you know. So you're engineering? Tweak the tone, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's really wild. And you, you run the studio now. I had no I idea. Do. It's actually in our home. Yeah, we uh, took a two-car garage and converted it and uh, did, a, did a lot of research about uh, how sound transmission works. And we built it out. It cost us a lot of money. You know more than I care to even talk, discuss, but mm -hmm. I mean it's it's more of a, a a labor of love than anything. I mean I'm not doing it to make money. Uh, that would be great if someday at the end of the you know the day that kind of happens. But it's more just about happen helping uh, bands that I like, and there's a lot of great local heavy bands here that are just coming up, and I've been blessed enough that they like to. They want to work with me, so right. And uh, do they know of your background and what you've done and stuff? And I think most of them do, and I think that's part, mostly the the, the attraction too, is that I've done what I've done in the past. Right, and, I would think. And you know, I, I'd be uh, full of crap if I said, "Well, it's because I'm really good at what I do right now." I mean, you know, I I do pretty well, but. At, a lot of it is the, just the attraction of like what I've done in the past with records that I've been on and stuff. So with you running the studio and owning the studio, um, why isn't there more output for Brothers of the Sonic Cloth? Because I could only find three tracks. I could be wrong. Well, no, that's, that's what it is. Uh, we're working on our first full-length debut, and uh, that's probably going to turn into a double gatefold record and uh partially is because i'm an obsessive compulsive when it comes to my own music mm -hmm. and i have a hard time letting go right and knowing when to stop and uh you know i've been staying so busy with the studio too there's like it kind of our stuff gets put on hold while i'm doing all this stuff right. we practice at the same place we record so um I don't know. I guess that would be it. You know, Brothers started as a recording-only project that I started. Um, I got two Pro Tools in 2006, and uh, 
and went down that pipeline, you know, and uh, so I thought it'd be fun to put out something and, and be anonymous about it. So that's how it started. I had fake band member names. There was five people in the band and Witch Ape was the bass player and that's kind of where the studio name came from. Okay. I just wanted to be kind of bizarre and and uh, I've taken those songs down since then and some of them have worked into being uh, what we're going to put out but it's it's in the final stages right now of recording. Okay. That's good to know. So when it does come out, is, are, is there going to be a tour in support of it or is it still just mainly? No, there, we'll be doing some touring. Um, we want to get on some uh, uh, road burn in Europe. We'd love to do. Um, I don't know. I don't think I tweeted you about it, but last week I wrote a piece for Huffington Post called, uh, well, basically, if I curate road burn, Brothers of the Sonic Cloth was on the list. Wow, that's great, man. Thank yeah, you. I, I, yeah, you're on the list, and it's in. I'll send you the. Um, I'll send you the link. Cool. After this, I'll send it to you. Um, you guys are listed on my lineup for Roadburn. And it was basically, if I could curate Roadburn, this is who I'd have. Wow. And then Thanks, uh, man. as the headliner, it was uh, Diamanda Gallus. Oh, great. And or Moving Sidewalks, because they just, they just reunited for the Austin Festival or something. Oh, yeah. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of, of people that I listed. And yeah, Church of Misery, um, Yamantaka Ai, Kajihano. Um, high racks, mm. um, sacrifice, uh, just uh, just hitting all the gamut of of stuff. Uh, Jandek, you know, wow. like whatever. But I put you guys in there. Wow, thank you. I thought, kind. Yeah, because I thought, well, I mean, I don't know if they're. Too, I don't even know if they play out like touring or anything. They've, their imp, their output is really minimal at this point. But maybe this will, if I could, like. You know, see down the down the road. Maybe this will be a way to to get them to get them over to Europe and stuff. I didn't. I was. I mean, we we started this tour, and it was. I think it was in the middle of this tour, right before. I was too busy to to reach out to to a lot of those bands. Some of them are my friends, but I was too busy to to even to to, to tweet or email. You know, I'll, I'll I'll tell you when I see you, kind of thing. Sure. So yeah, here you are. I wanted to talk about astral communion. Uh huh. What's all that about? Well, uh, that was a recording project that I did with my buddy in our basement. It was just kind of like a fun song. And I'd written the guitar parts and played the drums on it, and Pegadeth played the, the bass. And uh, this guy's an amazing singer. He's in a band called Camaro Smith. Oh, I've heard of that band. Yeah. And he's a really good singer. And right. so this, I said, well, he was in town, and he's living in L.A. now. And I said, you got to put some vocals on this. And he says, well, what's it about? And I said, well, there's a, a reviewer that wrote a, something about Brothers a long time ago, and he says it was like witnessing an astral communion of some sort. And I said, well, let's make it about that. And um, so he just busted out some lyrics right there and then we listened to the song a couple times and he just did it first take right and it just 
that's how that worked. And then we uh, enlisted the friend of uh, uh, Shepard Stevenson, who was in Pygmy Love Circus, to okay. play bass too. So there's like two different bass players in the song right. at different times. And it was just a fun little thing to put together, you know? Right. Is there any plans for more songs from this project? Or is it even a project? It's not even a project. Right. It was just like one of these things. I, I was going through my uh, archives and I go, wow, that's not bad, you know? Mm-hmm. So I kind of cleaned it up a little bit more and started mixing it. I spent basically Christmas, right, four or five days just messing around with it. And because my wife uh, Pegadeth, she was in New York doing hurricane relief for uh, Hurricane oh, Sandy. Right, right. And it still was really messed up back there, and probably still is. But, right. Uh, that's how that came about, and and just sent. I said, "Do you mind if I post this on Bandcamp?" And he's like, "No." So it's free. We're not going to make any money, of course. It's just put it out there and see what happens. And so that's why you had time to to tweet me back during Christmas time, because that's when we kind of made the the connection there. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Ah, yeah, yeah. I just uh, just saw that up on the on the website there. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple other things I wanted to touch on. Um, the uh, I think we should really mention the documentary um, Busted Circuits Ringing Ears Mm -hmm. which is the documentary that has been done on Tad the band Mm -hmm. Um, when did it come out? Uh, well you know that's a good question I don't remember I think it was 2009 or 10 okay and it was put together by a very talented uh, camera guy and his partner uh, King of Harps Productions, and he does r- great work. He's an awesome editor, and uh, he really got into the project. And when I was living in San Diego with Peggy, I was living there for a while. Um, I said, "I, you know, I need to. I've got all this VHS footage that I took over the years. You know, I was carrying around a camera on a tour and all this stuff all yeah. these years, not knowing that it would actually be worth of anything, but." I was looking through it, and I'm going, you know, there's some good stuff here, you know? And it kind of is honest, mm-hmm. and it tells the story of the band and what really goes on. And I got in touch with him through Michael Dean, another mutual friend who introduced Peggy and I. He was in a band called Bomb in San Francisco. Okay. Real heavy psychedelic band, and uh, he says, you guys got to meet each other. Long story short, I got with Ryan at King of Hearts, and he really got into it. He, he he made it his project. He's like, I love the band. I'm going to make this happen. And he blew me away with what he did and the, how far down the rabbit hole he went. He really did wow. a good job, him wow. and Adam. That's cool. Uh, did it make the rounds of any of the festivals or, like, You know, I don't docs. think it did, and he was in retrospect, I think he was going to try to get it into uh, some of the festivals, but because it was uh, a commercial release, we had already put it out for some reason. It hmm. w- wasn't able to go to the festivals for some reason. I don't remember why. Because we put out a documentary, <clears throat> that DVD that I gave you, and it's still getting played in certain festivals. It's not big festivals or like you know, Sundance or anything, but it's right. credible festivals that are still playing it. Yeah. I don't know if the timeline is, is a little, it's, it's 
it's too late mm-hmm. due to the release date. But I don't know. I'm not. I don't know anything about that world. Me either. So it's just, it's been on Netflix and oh yeah okay. It's it's also been uh, on PBS a few times. Oh wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. And do you feel do you feel like um, a sense of satisfaction with this documentary that you know at least people can finally hear and see what the band was all about I do and that's what I like about it is like not a lot of people know what really happened with the band and uh, it was a a real good catharsis for me too to just put it to bed you know Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff that was you know in my psyche and my spirit was kind of unfinished business with the whole thing Mm because the band ended with us uh being dropped by Electra, East West Electra at the time. After a week and a half, the record had been out. Our A&R person got fired, and that's the kiss of death for any band. Yeah. And Clutch was the same A&R person, but they went on to somebody else. It was our second time of being on a major, and uh, Giant Warner was the first, and that didn't work out. I don't know why, but uh, I think that Oh, I do know why. The, the uh, our manager says the label called, and we send him the dem- the the songs that we're doing for Inhaler, and he goes, uh, "We're not hearing a single here," and and he conveyed that to us, and I, we all looked at each other and laughed and said, "That's because there isn't a single for you know, they were looking for a pop song, right. and they thought that Tad was going to write a pop song, and we never did." Right. And we just completely kept getting crazier and heavier and weirder. It's, so that's kind of what why that went to hell in hand, Baskerville. It's weird. That time is so weird now, looking back on it. Yeah. These labels were looking, they're trying to find weird bands to write normal songs. Yeah. Um, the whole appeal of the whole thing was that every everybody was doing their own crazy, whacked-out thing. Yeah. And they still wanted to like kind of crowbar them into this like hole, and it's funny too. I when I was in, I was in film school for for a bit, and I had to take a fo- photography course in order to get into film school. It's a long story, but I, um, what was the video you did for um, before Away Santa? I took a I took a still from it and I manipulated it. Yeah, and I put it in my I put it in my film portfolio, and I got into film school. Was it Stumbling Man? No, it wasn't. It, yeah, maybe it was Stumbling Man, and it was um, it was a um, a close up of you on stage live. Did Stumbling Man have, like, did it did it cut Inter-spurs between live stuff? Oh, it was Wood Goblins. Wood Goblins. That's, That's what, what it was. was. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and I took a still from that photo from my. TV and I manipulated it and I screwed it up with it and it was a picture of your face and I submitted it into my film portfolio and I got into film school that way. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still have it too. I still have it somewhere in my parents' place. Yeah. So that was, oh, we got to wrap it up. There he is again on the McKagan podcast and he's coming in for the Tad Doyle podcast, wrapping it up. Say my name. Stoddy. There you go. go. All right, right, all right. Got to wrap it up. 
Well, we got. I think we got a lot. We got enough. I yeah. Think we got enough. Thank you. Yeah, this has been awesome. I, I all, all I can say is it's 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 been an honor to to meet you today. We've done everything together in one day. Likewise, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. And um, you're coming to the show tomorrow. Absolutely. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm looking forward to knowing you are going to be in the crowd. Oh, I'm going to be there. <laughs> be banging my head silly. Awesome. Great. That's cool. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.